Um, I'm so so glad to be here, um, and this is this is quite different for me. Uh, but it's really still cool to be able to see some of your faces on the screen, and I pretend that we're sitting in a hall somewhere in this very hall with a bunch of us around in person. That that's a, a really cool picture. I'm keeping my mind for the next uh, little while. Um, you know, something I thought of this morning as I was outside running around doing my uh, doing a, a little lap around the garden with my daughter is that we're we're within earshot of a of a of a of a main road um, in Silvermine Road. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I was out on a Sunday morning as well, and I overheard because there's a lot of cyclists, as we probably well know, some of us maybe on on this. Uh, on in this meeting are, are, are some of them, but there are many that come from other parts of, of uh, the city or even out, other parts of the province who come to, to ride on a, on a day like this, on a, on a Sunday. And I couldn't help but be, to have to, to, to pause and reflect on something two, two gentlemen who were um, making their way up the, up the hill uh, were saying to each other. They were going slowly enough I could hear their conversation, and I was close enough I could also hear uh, before I weigh enough that they didn't know that I was listening. And one said to the other, wow, can you imagine? And the other one said, what? And he said, and the other one responded by said, can you imagine living here? <laughs> can you imagine living here? This, this, the sea, the, the mountain, they were clearly from out of town. Because I think we get, those of us who get to live or are living in this area, I think we can easily take for granted um, the absolute beauty and the stunning uh, signs of, of God's hand in creation around us. So could I just make a moment to stop, especially in the wake of what we've just sang in, uh, in creation, to just thank God for, uh, for, for uh, planting us here in this moment, in this time, and in this place in the world. Of course, there's lots of other beautiful places, but this place, I must say, is particularly special. So uh, that's the, the attitude with which I'm going in to today and uh, into this series, in fact. And we are uh, in the third week of a seven-week series called Origins. And the purpose of this series is to go back to the beginning in order to to gain ways and wisdom we need to navigate the future, the next steps, with all of its possibilities. A little-known fact, and I I can't see him now, so I can't uh, get his response, but I can't wait to talk to him later because he doesn't know I'm going to say this, but Luke, Luke, you began planting the seed of doing an origin series more than five years ago, I think, if my count is correct, and has relentlessly lobbied for it every year since. And it just never made the cut, only for no other reason other than scheduling limitations. Um, But may I say, I I believe that there's no better time than this present moment to, to, to dive in and reveal or perhaps even freshly discover some of the truths we need to take to heart to, and apply in our lives right here and right now. So Luke, thank you for never giving up. And here we are, week three into this origin series. Uh, for the last two weeks, we've been, uh, been uh, unpacking much of the first handful of verses in Genesis chapter one. And week, week one had us look at just the first verse the first, very first verse of Genesis of the Bible, answering the question, how did we get here? And then week two, last week, uh, we gave clarity to the matter that God created everything. And if you missed 
either of those or both of those, be sure to check them out. They're, they're recorded. They're available on our podcast via our weekly mailer. There are links there, as well as uh, on Common Ground's South, Common Ground South Penn's Facebook page. But today, we zero in on the climax of creation, the origin of humanity. Well, how do we fit into the story? Because after all, spoiler alert, we are not the main characters in this story. God is. And before I begin, I must give a bit of credit to Pastor Andrew Wilson in the UK, whose teachings have, have shaped much of today's messages, message. But let me ask a question, all of us a question, and it's probably a question you've asked yourself at some point in your life. What is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of life? In a way, it's the question of all questions, right? I would bet that most of us have asked this question at some point, and there are lots of things in this world that we could make the meaning of life. He doesn't do it so often anymore. It still happens, but my son Tristan, our son Natasha's and my son Tristan, when he was younger, this happened more often, when something of his, whether it be a toy or a piece of artwork he had created, when it went missing, it was as if life as he knew it was over. Why? He had assigned untold worth and dependence on things that could be lost, damaged, and frankly, things that couldn't and wouldn't deliver on the expectation of giving meaning in life. Are any of us this lesson the hard way? For me, I find this question can pop into my mind when I'm grappling with a challenging issue or a significant event, and it's usually when something I held dear had passed away or is lost, something or someone. And sure enough, life can lose its meaning very quickly if the things chosen for meaning fall away. I mean, people can lose the drive to live. This is serious, and it's tragic. So what is the meaning of life? Let's dive into today's, today's text to find out. And we're going to be looking at uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 2 and 28, and then a good chunk of chapter 2, verses 4 to 17. I'll read as you can read along. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God blessed them, mankind, and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the, in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Chapter 2, verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four, headwa- into four headwaters. The name of the first was the Pishon, 
It's, it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. Let's pray. Father God, won't you quiet our minds? Um, Won't you tune in our hearts? Won't you meet with us this morning? Speak to us as we weigh in on this question of questions. Reveal and restore understanding in, in how we're all connected into your great big story. Meet with us this morning. Amen. Here's our roadmap for today. First, I'm going to propose the answer to this question, what is the meaning of life? And then, and then we'll make the case from the text we just read. And finally, we'll identify and, and perhaps begin to unpack the problem as we try to do this with a sneak peek in Genesis 3. First up, the proposal to answering the question. Well, if God is the creator, he's got to be part of the answer, right? Well, here's a neat, not-so-little acronym using the word biology. And quite literally, if you didn't know, bios means life, and logos, where the second part of that word comes from, is logic or reasoning. So life reasoning, it works. Well, let's unpack this by actually starting at the end, in the G and the Y. Yahweh, Y, Yahweh, the Hebrew name for the God we worship, the God of the Bible. And everywhere in that text, particularly in chapter 2, where you see Lord in small caps or all caps, uh, it also could be just completely replaced and perfectly replaced by the word Yahweh. It can be interpreted as he who makes that which has been made. And then there's glory, as in to the glory of God meaning fame, prestige, honor, all for him and him alone. Well, this is the chief end of man, to glorify God. But how do we do that? It sounds like a tall order, glorifying God. Is it praying? Is it, is it singing like we all just did a, a couple of minutes ago? I mean, absolutely. But it doesn't stop there. And that's where the rest of this acronym comes in. They describe the things that we get to do to glorify God. So from the top, B, beauty, creating music, visual art. Absolutely. Those are the first things that come to my mind. But it's also in the things we might consider to be rather ordinary. Our living, moving, breathing It is beautiful to God and brings him glory, even in its simplest sense. That will become to make more sense as we go on. I, image. We are to conform ourselves to the image of God, our creator, and fill the world. This means physically creating humans. The world should be filled with little people that look like their creator. That's what images are meant to be. 
but it also means discipling people and causing them to be conformed and look like Jesus. Our daughter Adelaide, Addie, uh, is an example of this. In June 2015, Natasha gave birth to a healthy 4-plus kilogram, 59-centimeter-long, not-so-little, giggling baby girl. Sometime last year, uh, this 5-year-old decided to put her faith in Jesus. And this month, she declared this by getting baptized. Now, it's a proud daddy moment, for sure, um, and as I watched her, but, but don't, don't miss the point. I mean, I, I'm taking the opportunity to tell you something that is just making my heart leap. But I, I'm telling you so that you can see an example of, of, of how, as a father now, I get to watch my daughter choose to live her life for and be shaped by Jesus and his love. And like Addie, all of us have been made in God's image. And we are being conformed to look like Jesus for the rest of our lives when we say yes to him. Next, O, order, as in bringing order. Now, essentially, this is about work. We work to do, to make, or accomplish something. And this includes paid employment, no doubt, but that's just one example. Other examples include studying, volunteering, caregiving, parenting, And put another way, it's bringing order to a chaotic world. What an awesome job description, don't you think? It's almost got the air of that of a a superhero, right? Bringing order out of chaos. And as humans, each one of us has a part to play in this. This is a big part of our purpose. And then the final two letters I'm going to tackle at once. L and O. Life overflowing. I like how this illustration captures life as the catch-all term after the first three, B, I, and O. The beauty that we create, the image we bear, and the order we bring, it's the life, it's the vitality of it all. And it's overflowing, abundant, plentiful. You see, God didn't want an empty world. He, he says, fill it, all of it. Beauty, image, Order, life, overflowing to the glory of Yahweh. Do you see it? Live and move and breathe. Doesn't it? It's a privilege God has given us. The biggest things in our culture, family and work, the things to which we give most of our energy, time, and money. Yet, It's exactly what he led us to because it's so fundamental. Now, I'll come back to family and work a little later. But just to say now, isn't it encouraging to know that our lives generally resemble what God originally intended in this way? Now, to cap this acronym off, I discovered this sweet verse. It's in Psalm 16, written by King David. When he's in a state of trouble and conflict, I love the Psalms, particularly the ones that David uh, wrote, because it's like just peering into someone's personal diary. And we get to uh, look see into their heart at the, at, in all moments, in, in many moments of their life. And, and in this case, he's, he's in a state of trouble and conflict. And here he's crying out to God for help. Remember when I said that our troubles can make us decide what we really value and has meaning in life? Well, David's there. 
And he writes in verses one and two, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, Yahweh, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Here we see David, amidst his troubles, choose to value God himself above everything else, even the things he was facing in that moment. Beauty, image, order life, overflowing to the glory of Yahweh. David got it. Well, now let's make the case. God didn't create the world complete from the start. It began as something uh, Hebrew would call tohu wabohu, tohu wabohu. Now we heard, if you were uh, tuning in last week, uh, we heard a bit about this term in the Genesis video from the Bible project that Luke shared last week. And tohu wabohu basically is Hebrew for formless and void, that part in Genesis 1-2, or wild and waste. God then forms it, and he fills it. He brings structure, and then he brings life. In the first three days of creation, he forms it. He brings, it to, to, brings order out of the chaos. He separates light from dark. He separates waters above from waters beneath and land from sea. And then the next three days, he fills it. He fills the sky with stars. He fills the sky and the sea with birds and fish. He fills the land with animals, followed by God creating a creature, humans, in his own image. And he says to them, I want you to have the same role. And we see this in verse 28, chapter 1. Continue doing what I have done. The rhythm of the song has started. Now continue it. Carry on. Now imagine a farmer who buys some land. And I've got a picture of a farm here in the Northern Cape, not far from the Namibian border. Um, and and he, just I love that picture because, like many farms, and if, the aerial views are stunning, especially when after talking about all of this bringing form, bringing order. I mean, look, it's just it's just a perfect illustration of how order has been brought in the midst of the wilderness, uh, and to, to produce something good. Um, uh, and uh, he, but but imagine this farmer who who, who buys this land. And he, he does everything that would be necessary to get it to the state. I mean, he, 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 puts, he decides where to put the dam, the fields, the barns, the silos, the, the rows, all that. And then his kids hoe the rows, plant the seeds, maintain the farm as it grows from there on. Well, well that's what's happening here. What, and what a mandate it is. It's, it's a pretty empowering role that God is giving us. This is what our role as human beings is, to be the solution to tohu wabohu, formless and void, to bring order. And if that's not enough, chapter 2 goes on to add flesh to the bone. Pardon the pun. But in, in chapter 2, we see from verse, uh, for verse 4, carry on with this, this is like almost a second account of the creation story. And, and if you compare it to chapter 1, there's some repetition in chapter 2, which, which just really ultimately helps to underscore facts that a world is created, formless and void. God brings order and structure as he forms. And next he fills it. He brings life, capped by his masterpiece, humanity. And then he calls them, humans, to govern creation, bringing life, beauty, image, order everywhere, so that the earth may be filled 
with his, God's glory. But then the account in chapter two adds a layer to this. And it's anchored in history and geography. More than that, it declares how God's world was designed for humankind. We see this pick up from verse 8. We just see a description of a garden. Now, this garden is beautiful. It's ordered. It's not wilderness, although there's still plenty of wilderness about outside the garden. But the garden is not tohu wabohu. It has defined boundaries, and two of the river boundaries are still around today. This garden is huge. It's not a small patch of vegetables in the backyard. The gardener has sculpted it, landscaped it. This is, this is the sanctuary in the wilderness. It's the place of beauty in the middle of the rest of creation. And then we read how God put in the garden an image-bearing human. And well, frankly, there's, there's actually no other kind of human. An image-bearing human. God says to Adam, have a run of the whole thing. It's yours. I just didn't make it to be habitable. I designed it for you. It's filled with life, beauty, order, and the image of God. That's you, Adam. And he calls Adam to extend that garden to the ends of the earth and spread the image and the beauty of God everywhere. That is what we are here to do. This is the meaning of life. Can you see it? I mentioned before that the foundation of human behavior is built in a lot of ways on work and family. And it's where we spend most of our resources. That's how we we get to know, we know this is true. And we're involved in bringing the beauty and order of God through work or life, an image of God through family. And whether we're Christian or not, this is what we as humans do. Insects and animals don't do it this way. We do it benevolently so that all species flourish. That's what we get to do. And work is about transforming formless tohu wabohu into something with structure and more. Work is not just paid employment, as we said. Adam and Eve didn't get a salary. But work is about bringing order and beauty for the flourishing of everyone. And may I say, retirement doesn't mean work ends. A family is about turning lifeless tohu wabohu into something full of life. It's not just uh, about getting married and having children. Of course it means that. But scriptures say that single people are in a stronger position than married people at bringing others into the family of God and helping them conform to Jesus' image. They have more capacity for this. So when Jesus told the disciples in, in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, he was also telling this to Christ followers today, both married and single. We call this the Great Commission, and it is an extension of the original mandate to fill the earth with image bearers. Make disciples. Which brings us to tackling the problem. Tackling the problem. What problem? Well, in Genesis 1 and 2, humans start out as the solution to the problem. Uh, 
to tohu wabohu, uh, which was the problem at the time. But, but, but by Genesis 3, they had become the problem themselves. And we see this in, in, uh, in, in chapter 2 from verse 9. You, you, we'll get there just now, but you see that is all of this is true. If all the things we've just discussed is true, that God has not only created and designed the world for us, that he not only made us in his image, it also empowers us to bring life and order, then why? Why are so many humans, so many of us, not fulfilled by doing these things? Well, a more complete explanation will be painted as we go through this series and, and into Genesis 3. But the answer to this question is linked to the tree in Genesis 2. Take a look at verses 16 and 17. It essentially says, well, you, you know, up till now, you can have children, administer governments, make great art, and still not be fulfilled in all that activity because... You were actually glorifying yourself, not Yahweh, when you took from that tree. In Genesis 3, that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. And most people in the world are doing this today. So if we miss glorifying God, we won't feel like we're fulfilling our purpose because we aren't. Now, people struggle with the tree. Why would God put it there in the first place? I mean, is, is it a big catch in a too-good-to-be-true scenario? Why is there a random keep-off-the-grass sign? Well, there are three types of, of bans or, or prohibitions in the world, and it's helpful to, for context to look at all three, and then we can see which one this one is. And, and well, a rule, first of all, it's a, there's a legal ban, there's a consequential uh, ban or rule, and there's a relational rule. First, the legal rule, the legal ban. It's a rule made by someone more powerful than me who is telling me what I can't and can't, can and can't do. And if I do the things I can't, bad things will happen. So there's a ban enforced by punishment. Most laws in our country work this way. And then there's the consequential rule. A distinction for this is don't do this because if you do, something, something will happen because of what you've done, something uh, that will hurt. <laughs> For example, don't touch the wire. Why? Well, because you're going to get electrocuted. Um, don't uh, feed the lions. Why? Well, I think you get the point. It's not arbitrary. The consequential rule is trying to protect you. But then there's a third type of ban, the relational rule. Now, it's a rule we keep because we so desperately want to avoid hurting the other person. The relationship will suffer if you don't keep it. And it's called the relational rule, but when it's not kept, it becomes relational betrayal. Imagine someone being betrayed by their spouse, and they're absolutely gutted by it. Well, that happened in Eden. That's God in the fall story. There's an incredibly deep, intimate relationship going on. And then God's been abandoned by humanity for something else. What is this you've done? He asks into Genesis 3. Where are you? Well, the tone in those questions was probably less like an angry judge and more like a hurt father or lover. You know, friends, this is sin. 
This is where it began. And it's not only disobeying a, a, a divine judge, as so many people regard it, but it's also, and so much more so, walking away from a loving father. It's not about the tree. As much as it was God saying, don't find out what evil is like because it will break my heart. (sighs) Well, that's just a teaser of what we'll get into in the coming weeks. But I don't want us to miss uh, what what we covered today. As created beings by God and in his image, we are here to glorify Yahweh. Not as some payback to him in return for giving us life, but because he loves us. And he has originally commissioned us to fill the earth and order it. And he doesn't stop there. Despite our selfishness and passion to glorify ourselves, which brought in evil, it's in his love that he says, I want to come and make it right. I want to restore what has gone wrong. I want to return order and beauty to this world that I have lovingly fashioned. He set a redemption plan in motion. He sent Jesus. He sent his only son, an image of the invisible God so we can see what God looks like and so that we may have life. Now consider this. Adam was originally placed in Eden, but Jesus went into the wilderness where he defeated temptation in order to bring us back into Eden, where we're meant to be full, full of life and life abundant. Adam and Eve sinned by a tree, but Jesus died on a tree, and his victory on that cross was to redeem all of humanity. And God didn't stop there. He sent his spirit to conform us to Jesus so that we can look like God as well. The same spirit that is there in the beginning in verse 2, chapter 1, hovering over the waters. Spirit is with us. It's a mind-blowing strategy, yet a totally successful rescue plan for you, for me. And it makes Satan quake at the mere thought of it. Fast forward to the very end of the story. We see in Revelation 21 and 22, we see a new heaven and a new earth, a new Eden. We see a river, the river of water, of life, and on each side of that river stands the tree of life, where light and life abound and darkness has no place whatsoever. This is the culmination of God's rescue plan, restoration plan, And it's a beautiful, personal, and it's already set in motion. Fellow image bearers, the invitation of a full life with Jesus is waiting. Are you coming? I want to spend a little bit, uh, just a moment to pray. Um, And as I do that, um, we're going to, I'd love for us to just even, can we sing? I would love to sing. Um, especially that second song we had um, on creation, uh, there are parts of it, my prayer will be to, that for it to just speak to us, not just the mountains and the sea and the beauty we get to live in, but hints, uh, pictures, pointers to this incredible redemption plan that God has invited us in and has done for us. So let's pray and then we'll sing. Thank you, God, for creating us. 
Thank you, God, for making us in your image. Thank you, God, for commissioning us and giving us this incredible job description, this role, this meaning in life, to fill the world with beauty, order, with life. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus so that we get to experience the fullness of life, the life that you intended for us, to bring us back into the new Eden on that day. Thank you, God, that we get to choose you. Thank you that you are God and we are not. God, as we, we reflect now, won't you, won't you speak to us on a matter that uh, perhaps we're quite fami- with which we're quite familiar, creation. But Father, we know that through it and in it, it is not the way it was meant to be right now. It is broken. And you came to restore. Jesus, you came to make it right. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. And we worship you now in response to these truths we've heard. Refresh our minds and our hearts as we engage with you now in worship. Amen.